The champ is here. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I'm not, not, not lose. lose. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. Hey, mate. Yes, he's the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So let's pay some bills. Our show sponsor for today is Windermere agent Stacy Connor. Whatever your real estate needs are, Stacy will help you reach those goals with confidence. Top real estate agent, uh, director of sports and entertainment divisions here. Reach her at 702-741-5944 or at StacyConnorWindermere.com. All right, so how we like to do it, man, we just want to jump right in. Uh, welcoming our guest here, the founder, a founder of the Negro League Museum in KC, all right? Sports historian, speaker, and author. Let's clap it up for our Uncle LL, Larry Lester. What's up? <laughs> hey, Larry, how you man. Guys doing? Oh, man, so blessed to have you on, man. Excited. So we're going to jump right into it. And how we like to start our show is a shoot your shot moment. All right. So this is where you just tell us a story where you bet on yourself and, and you did something, went against the odds, and, you know, you just shot your shot. Hmm. <laughs> well, my shot is trying to uncover and discover uh, these great Negro League legends. And as of last Wednesday, we got that announcement that Major League Baseball is finally recognizing uh, the Negro Leagues as a major entity, long overdue. Yeah. Long overdue. Yes, sir. Boy, that's yeah. that's like a shot from half court, boy. <laughs> that's great, man. That's an, that's an amazing shoot. Probably the best, most historical shoot-your-shot moment that we've had on the show. Hands down. As now, Mr. Lester, where did your your love for sports start? Love for baseball. Where did that start? Where did the foundation start? Well, I was fortunate enough to grow up in uh, Kansas City, uh, five blocks from Municipal Stadium, where the Kansas City Athletics played. And so I went to a lot of games just by accident. Uh, it only cost a dollar and fifty cents to go to a ball game, and there you go. And I. Uh, get a scorecard for 15 cents and a little pencil and I would sit anywhere I wanted to because our team was always in last place. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'd keep score mm -hmm. and I learned the nuances of the game and uh, I enjoy math. So uh, it was a natural progression for me. Did you play at all? Oh yeah. I played quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, Went as far as I could until I found out I couldn't hit the curveball. <laughs> but uh, what position did you play? Center field. I could. I can. I had oh, so right. good speed. Yeah, you had yeah. some wheels on you then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I used to run 100 and about 10 one. That was fast. Uh oh. Uh oh. It's still fast. That's still yeah. fast. <laughs> That's real fast. That's real fast. So, but, so you know. Okay. You know, good arm, but. Couldn't hit that curve, but it was a good it was a good time growing up. Uh, Kansas City was very segregated at the time. Uh, I grew up in an all black neighborhood, went to an all black school, all black church, and I go to the ball game and I would see all these uh, white folks, and I'd go back to the neighborhood and ask the elders, you know, where, where are all these white folks coming from, and 
why aren't there more black players uh, playing Major League Baseball? And they would tell me these fantastic stories about the Negro League players. Mm -hmm. uh, I came across this more mythical, uh, legendary, and I kind of just, yeah, right. And, and as I got older, uh, I started to meet some of the uh, veterans uh, in the in the in the neighborhood. So, uh, wow, they would say, you know, Connie Johnson lives a couple of blocks over. Uh, you know, Ed Charles lives around the corner, and Satchel Page's uh, family lives on Twenty Sixth Street. So, uh, I became more enamored with it. Didn't know it at the time, but Oral O'Neill, Buck O'Neill's wife, was my grade school teacher and wow. ended up going to high school with Satchel Paige's kids yeah. and playing basketball with his oldest son, Robert, who's six foot eight. Mm. Okay. Uh, so this is this is just a part of my DNA. And so in school, I then you, so you did play some other sports, though. So basketball, what other sports did you play kind of growing up or coming up? Uh, track. Uh, I was a four four hundred meter man, quarter miler. What, what was your time there? Uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just, you said math, so I, I was doing a little multiple uh, some trying addition, to, trying to do from the 10 hundred, one, ten one from the hundred, carrying the four. <laughs> you what, was running fast. Uh, what was the order splits? I did about a forty nine second in the uh, quarter, and uh, see? there it is. You know. <laughs> Lee Evans was my idol, and uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to break his master's uh, record when I turned 40, and uh, I came close to it, but I pulled a hamstring at age 44, so I gave it up at that point, but I still run every day. Okay, okay. I, that that I, I salute you for still running the four at, at, at 44. And just that's, running, yeah. That, that, that's that's the real deal. When was the last time you just went running, Miles? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I run to change the diaper every now and then. <laughs> right, run, <laughs> run up the steps, <laughs> run into the store really yeah, quick. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Workout, yeah, workout. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, you were born in Arkansas, right? Yes, Charleston, Arkansas. How long were you there before you made the move? And then just tell me what was the dynamic growing up? Well, give me the sports dynamic, you know, growing up there. Well, I, I moved to Kansas City when I was two years old, but oh, okay. uh, I always went back home to Arkansas uh, every summer, spent many days there. Uh, I still travel uh, to Arkansas to see most of my relatives. Uh, very deep roots uh, in Charleston, Arkansas. and uh, But, uh, you know, the, the great migration, my father was part of it, trying to get a better job. So he moved to uh, Kansas City. Uh, became a carpenter and uh, and worked worked for himself. Mm -hmm. uh, so it it was a a good upbringing. Uh, I was one of the fortunate black guys to have a black father always around and always had these Negro League veterans in my life. So I had probably 
I would say, 80 uh, Negro League veterans who were I was in contact with on a daily basis. Yeah, I've seen an interview where you kind of mentioned that, you know, you had these extended families, all these yeah. other uh, 80, 80 yeah. uncles and, and uh, pop-offs pop and, and all yeah. that stuff, <laughs> just just being surrounded by them, man. So, I mean, that had to be just, yeah. just an amazing one to have your, you know, your father in the home and helping out, but just having all right. these other strong, positive, you know, uh, black men. Yeah, there's no way I could go down the wrong road because they would check. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes a village. It takes a village. Speaking of community, yeah. speaking of community, you mentioned you went to high school with Satchel Pages, uh, son. So, I guess talk to me about my dad. Always talked to me about the neighborhood baseball games, and I grew up in I grew up differently, so I didn't experience that. So, can you tell me a little bit about what that was like? Just the neighborhood games, how how competitive those games were. <clears throat> Well, you come big or stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> come with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was always exciting. Uh, a lot of smack talking, but uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, it makes me competitive. Uh, I mean, I like a good fight. Uh, <laughs> a good, you know, I, I'm not afraid of confrontation. I uh -uh. mean... If I get in a fight with a bear, you might want to help the bear. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Pour some honey on you so he he, he don't run away. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I, I love a good uh good fight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, we're going to jump right into it because this is, I mean, okay. just a, exciting part of just really getting into like the career. And, you know, the fact that you said, you're taking stats <laughs> at a young age, you know, and this is really a big part of what you've been been able to do and what you have been doing in, in multiple multiple facets. I want to start with where did the idea come from to start the Negro League Museum? Well, that idea came from a classmate by the name of Horace Peterson. Uh, he wanted to do a historic 18th and Vine. Uh, he said, I, I can do the jazz part. Oh, wow. Uh, I need somebody to do the baseball part. And, and I know you as a classmate, will you take on the baseball component? And he said, I'll take on the jazz component. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you called me. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you got the right guy. But it, yeah, it was his idea, not mine. So, and unfortunately, Horace Peterson died in a swimming accident in uh, 1992. Mm. And uh, someone else came in, the city came in, uh, along with my efforts to build the... Uh, historical 18th and Vine district that houses the American Jazz Museum and the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. That's just a great scene. So I actually got out to visit it last year, 2019. Um, it's amazing. Just the energy once you pull up to, to that area and you like read yeah. the signs. So you guys did an amazing job. And then to go in there and just spend that time, you get lost in there because it's a, how do you call it? The, the museums where you navigate yourself or whatever. Uh, self self-guided mm -hmm. and um shout out to my aunt my aunt mary because she she's like you want to go you know i know you're in sports this is something you should do mm -hmm. and i was like oh yeah if we have time and i didn't know she's been there like <laughs> 50 times like <laughs> she takes shortcuts uh, right but um and she said you know going in there with different people there's different things that kind of speak to her like things that maybe stuck out to me that she didn't catch before or you know sometimes she just probably try to speed through it so Definitely give you the flowers, man. It's absolutely amazing what you guys have done there. Just, All just, right. Thank just, you. yeah, absolutely. Just starting from the beginning. 
but that wasn't the original um the original space that's what you worked up to so what was the original concept when you started well we had a lot of political back and forth and they had a 20 million dollar bond money for brick and mortar only mm-hmm. uh, no administration costs no staffing costs so uh I used my corporate experience to write a business plan and developed a five-year financial model uh, and start raising money. I started reaching out to uh, uh, major corporations within the city and reaching out to Major League Baseball, trying to raise funding uh, so we could staff. Uh, I had the artifacts already in my basement and all the historical information that I needed. Uh, but. Uh, it took a while to build a board. Mm-hmm. I reached out to some of the uh, professors in the community, uh, corporate leaders, and they were more than thrilled to join the board. And oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, we were. We had a really solid board in the first four or five years of the of the organization. Okay. And raised enough money to stay afloat. We were in a little bitty office. <laughs> uh, our address was a P.O. box, my P.O. box. And, <laughs> you know, I had a good salary as an IT project manager and uh, I paid the monthly rent. And later on, uh, some of the ballplayers found out about it and they started helping me out and paying the monthly rent. That's fantastic. That's amazing. So, yeah, it, it was a group effort. Mm-hmm. It was a family that came together, a village that s- stepped up. It's unbelievable. I, I, I read in the interview, one of your past interviews, um, you mentioned a book that inspired you uh, to start even digging more, you know, into to defining these great Negro League players. And can you tell us a little bit about that book that inspired you to even uh, dig even deeper to uh, uh, discover or un, 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 shed the light on some of these great athletes? Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, many of the elders in the neighborhood would tell me about Coo Papa Bell and Josh Gibson and Satchel Paige. And they were more mythical than factual. Okay. And then uh, Robert Peterson came out with this book, Only the Ball Was White, when I was in college in 1970. And I'm like, wow, this actually exists. And he's interviewing these ballplayers and uh He's got a register in the back of all the ballplayers he could find by going through the daily papers. papers. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been, I've been half-stepping here. This man has actually done the work. Mm. And I start asking around the neighborhood and uh, they start exposing me more and more to the uh, history of black baseball. Okay. And I'd ask dumb questions like, "Was well, is Coo Papa Bell still still around? They're like, yeah, he lives in St. Louis. I'm like, really? Wow. You got his address? <laughs> I'm like, I call up Cool, and he said, yeah, come on by. I'm like, I'll be there in about five hours. I'm, I'm from Kansas City to St. Louis knocking on his door. And we had many visits over the years. Every time I would go, he would dress in a suit and, and spats. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, he would all dress up like he's going to see St. Peter's or somebody. Uh, <laughs> he was like, you actually want to interview me? I said, yeah. He said, nobody knows who I am. i like, I do. And uh, Humble and appreciative, huh? Yeah, he was just exciting. He would show me all of his trophies and autographed baseballs. And 
I said, are any more people in St. Louis uh, that played? He said, yeah, let me give you addresses of this ball player and this ball player. And I'd go by and see Quincy Troop and uh, uh, Bubba Hyde and while I'm in St. Louis. And every place I stopped, their wives would feed me. And <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. At all. To see him and get a hot meal, man. You can't complain about that. Right. So that's how it be. The game, and then I, I built a list from there of, of roughly 250 ball players, addresses, and phone numbers. And uh, every time I'd go to a city, I would go to their homes. Mm -hmm. They were they would welcome me, uh, share me, uh, share a lot of great stories with me, and uh, it was an am amazing adventure. And uh, you know, e even today, I get phone calls about you know. You know, my dad passed away last night, and I saw all the letters that you wrote him, so I, I wanted to let you know. So, wow. uh, Wednesday was a bittersweet moment, and a lot of these ball players uh, didn't live to see yeah. uh, them being recognized as major leaguers, even yeah. though we knew they were. Right. They knew they were. Right. Uh, but it's official now. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. That's big. So, oh. Yeah, one, 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 one player that I wanted to – you to touch on it. I thought it was amazing because you, you mentioned the research and you know how you travel to different homes and how you're reading through the papers. So one of you mentioned was Bullet Rogan and I had never heard of Bullet Rogan before. Um, but you start, you say you, through your research, you was like his name kept popping up on the box score and he was doing pitching and stuff like that. So just tell me about the great Bullet Rogan and obviously he's in the, uh, in the baseball hall of fame now. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was interested in the, first colored World Series in 1924 between the Kansas City Monarchs and the Hilldale Club out of Darby, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, even went to Darby on a railroad car do, to finish that component of the research. Okay. Uh, but in order to write a, a story about the World Series, I had to know the players. And so I started with the first game of the season in 1924, and right. I start copying all these box scores and this one ball player just jumped out at me. He was, he, he was getting two and three hits almost every game and he was pitching and batting cleanup. Hmm. I'm like, let, let me stop and rewind here <laughs> and take out my pencil and calculate his batting average and his ERA and how many wins. Right. So, you know, at the, at the end of that, after a couple of hours, I've got about 60 games. This man by the name of Ro Rogan uh, batted a little bit over 400. And he had won 16 games that season. And they only played about 60 games. So this man, about five foot seven, 170 pounds, was the greatest ball player I have ever heard of since Babe Ruth. Mm. And I just sit there at the microfilm and, you know, tears start started to roll down my eyes like, who is this great guy? I've been I've been to many a ball game right. and never heard of him. You know, it was tears of joy, but also tears of sadness in yeah. that why has America kept this great ball player from me? And so I made it a mission to let everybody know what a great ball player he was. I, I went back and traced his his career. The first three years, this man was never relieved from the baseball mound. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. They're, they're not doing that today. <laughs> they're not doing that today. Pitch counts like no. a mug. Wow. 
And then so bought the, back cleanup too. I, yeah, and back cleanup. <laughs> right. <That's> crazy. <laughs> so I was like, I, I got to do something here. So I, by that time, the internet came along. My email uh, handle was bulletrogan at AOL.com. <laughs> Get them. <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So so people would say, well, that's not your name. Tell me about Bully Rogan. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> that's so, so awesome. I finally got him into the Hall of Fame in 1998. Uh, it was amazing. His son lives about less than five minutes from me. Okay. <laughs> so he had documentation uh, I didn't have. And he could tell me stories about his dad, what he liked, liked to eat for breakfast and uh, what he liked to what fishing holes he went to. And I mean, I've been blessed in so many ways. And, uh, and so little bullet, that's what they call him. He was the bad boy for the monarchs and we, we got little along bullet. just great before he passed away. And I mean, it's been a great journey. I mean, I, I've been blessed, man. Yeah. Come on. A hundred percent, man. And like, so, so many questions. I don't even know which one I want to jump to next. Um, with that. All right. So being able to have those relationships with people, you've been a, a consultant, and an advisor to ESPN, HBO Sports, different kind of, you know, papers and um, docu-series and things. What's the most that they're asking for? Is it something in particular that they come from? Or are they just looking for the stories? What What is kind of like the breadth of what they're searching for when they reach out to you? Well, the powers to be usually want some fascinating stories, uh, something borderline mythical mm. uh, because that sells right uh they seldom want the stats really uh, right but because the stats quantify their greatness ah and and okay, okay. But that you hit on it that that i mean that is a part that i wanted to ask you is, is about the stats and obviously they're they're still a divide in, in, in places in the country but you know those stats i'm sure solidify solidify and i'm sure they yes. were hidden for, for on purpose for right a for a reason. reason right so you know how did you tackle that hurdle too i don't mean to jump off your question ej because it was a great one well, but i, that, but I that think was a, that was a, a great eye-opening yeah. right like to that they avoided the stats which right. is so back to your question well the stats are what they are mm -hmm. uh, if a person runs the 100 yard dash in 10 seconds 10-1. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them, Uncle L. Tell them, Uncle L. If you do it, you do oh, it, man. damn it. If it, it. Hey, it is what it is. And, hey, numbers don't lie. People do. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. Do the math. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a quotable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell them. And so I quantify what I do. Uh, I can show where Josh Gibson hit a home run every 14 times at bat. Wow. Uh, Barry Bonds hit a home run every 13 times at bat. So I know my numbers are solid. I know Satchel Page struck out almost a batter every inning. Nolan Ryan, almost the same yeah. a percentage. Mm -hmm. uh, so the stats, to me, show that they were the equivalent, not better or worse, but the equivalent of their oh, white yeah. counterparts. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh person's skin does not make him better skin color does not make him a better or lesser athlete right facts it's just talent so and these stats prove it 
Uh, we have just as many hitters over 300 as the white major leaguers do, and we have some black Negro leaguers under the Mendoza line, just like uh, in Major League Baseball. Right. Uh, the stats balance out, uh, and so the only difference is basically uh, the color of their skin. So, which is irrelevant when you're looking at the, at the game. So exactly. Where were you at when you heard the news, and how did you receive the news? Uh, I, I do Google alerts, and it came across my desk. Uh, did you double take? <laughs> I definitely did. Uh, shocked, surprised. Yeah. And it had to be a, a moving moment for you. I kind of see you right now kind of taking it back. Yeah. And it's also yeah. a testament to your work. Because it's so weird or or just, I think, and I think we've even talked about this, the HBO series with Brian Gumble was like just aired a couple weeks before they made this announcement. So, I mean, thank you. Just giving you your flowers, man, for all the work that you are doing continuously because now that they've made that change, it doesn't stop. So now we have to correct the books, correct? Oh, most definitely. Uh I turned down the HBO Real Sports Producer two or three times. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not my comfort zone. Uh, but uh, they talked me into getting with uh, Brian Gumbel on HB HBO Real Sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am very thankful that it happened now. And I got a text from Brian congratulating me on making this happen. But he, awesome. he pushed it over the edge with his commentary at the end of the show. Yes. He, he said better than anyone. And he's the one that got the ball rolling, moving forward, uh, somewhat agitating the powers to be, the gatekeepers, as I call them. And, yep. And we are here now. And so uh, when I when I got the news, I, I, I shed a few tears. That's awesome, man. And then I read it again, and then the river started to flow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's so awesome. So but yeah, it was. I'm like, man, really? <laughs> Congratulations so I, I again need, on that. I didn't need legitimization uh, to 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 do what I do. I mean, I do it because I love doing it, and I didn't need anybody to quantify or recognize or authenticate. Uh, my truth. Right. I do it because I, I, I think these men deserve uh, absolutely recognition. Absolutely. absolutely. Speaking of the recognition, recognition, sir, how does, how does that affect how, what the arch, uh, the archives in the, in the Negro Mu league museum? Does that, some of that go to the, the major league baseball museum? How does that work? How does that transition work? The artifacts there? Uh, I mean, I'm not in charge of the artifacts there. Uh, the way a nonprofit works is any artifacts, if something would happen, would go to the state, mm, state okay. of Missouri. Okay. Uh, they're not allowed to sell them. And it's more details. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I want to get back just to the stats. So who are we going to see change? And, you know, of course... Jots Gibson is one that's, that jumps out on everyone's tongue, but are there going to be some major changes to the leaderboard that we're going to see? 
Uh, I don't know the answer to that because it depends on who's writing this new history. Uh, we talk about Josh Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Gibson played in less than 800 Negro League games. Okay. And so whoever's writing the story may say, I'm only considering ballplayers who pay, played in more than 1,000 games. Right. So that so we have to still look out for that because that was another follow up question along that lines is when they released it they actually set a time frame on it too and forget you know probably the time frame but then they say like up to nineteen forty eight or something like that right so you know is that along the lines of you know where there's eight hundred to a thousand games that they right why did they limit the the time frame uh, of the years well I think that was a Well, 1948 was the last year of the Negro World Series. Okay. And it's one year after Jackie Robinson broke into Major League Baseball. Gotcha. Arbitrary uh, line of demarcation. Uh, I'm going to push for another two years so I can get Willie Mays' 1949 to 1950 season included in the stats. Uh, But I'm, I'm happy with the 1948. No, that makes least, sense. That like gives six months. That gives history to to when that was the cutoff date. Because like I, you know, the the league wasn't ended then, but that like you said, it's an arbitrary. It's a a a cutoff date that they made. So, right. We don't know how to grade the league after Jackie Robinson went into Major League Baseball. Okay. Because you got Willie Mays in there. You got Ernie Banks coming in in nineteen fifty and fifty three. You got uh, Hank Aaron in 1951, 52, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elston Howard and a few other major leaguers. I think I've counted 80 major leaguers who spent time in the Negro Leagues. Wow, okay. And most of them played after 1948. Uh, so what happens here is Major League Baseball took the cream of the crop. They took the best players from the Negro Leagues. Yes, leaving the Negro Leagues a shell of themselves talent-wise. So it wasn't just financial reasons for why the Negro League folded at that point. It was more about, it was it was a talent or was there some other, you know, factors into that? Well, the Negro Leagues are stripped of their best ballplayers, Larry yeah. Doby and Monty Irvin from yeah. the Newark Eagles. So, yeah, the I talent mean, leads to the viewership, right? Like I'm not going, if I'm not seeing the best, you know, I want to go see where the best are playing. Correct. Exactly. And the black fans migrated to the major league ballparks to see their favorite black athlete perform. And so they abandoned some of the Negro league teams locally. And then you also have it when I'm researching the newspapers, the black sports writers are at the major league games, checking out Mays and Aaron and, and Ernie Banks and, they're not covering the local black team anymore. So after 1955, coverage is very sporadic. Okay. Uh, through no fault of anyone. It's just, you know, the black newspapers only had one sports writer. And uh, it is what it is, so. So, uh, sorry, Mr. with that. So, some of some of the 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 migration part. How did because uh, uh, filling in the major league baseball? Some of the stars going to the in major league baseball. 
the impact that that has affected on Major League Base. We often talked about how the game is played now it was similar to how the game was played in the Negro League. So how important was that migration and that integration uh, into the Major League Base about the style of play? It was awesome. Uh, the Negro Leaguers, Negro Leaguers played a more up-tempo type of baseball. Mm, okay. A hit and run, button run, double steal, suicide squeeze plays. They were still home. Yeah. Uh, that's that's why Jackie Robinson caught him off guard when he stole home plate seven times in one season <laughs> and 19 times during his career. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do. I have a picture of Jackie Robinson in a rundown between home plate and third base and five men are trying to get him out. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally found the box score of that game. Text, uh-huh. And he was safe at home. There it wow. is. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. So that's not possible. <laughs> it's mythical, like you said, right? <laughs> yeah. And so you don't see the steal of home plate anymore uh, because the game has gotten better. Uh-huh. All because of the Negro League style of play. The game is is a better version of itself because of the influx of Latin American and African American ball players. Uh, and of course. It's changed somewhat more now with analytics and yeah. s- the slow pace of the game with uh, everybody stepping out of the batter's, batter's box. <laughs> Every five seconds, right? You got to re- t- tighten the gloves <laughs> up. Yeah. All of that good yeah. stuff. <laughs> so did the players have a sense of making change back then, right? Like, were they motivated to know that they were doing something great or was it really just, I'm going to play the game? Well, each ball player was different. Okay. Uh, Jackie Robinson was an outspoken advocate, whereas his teammate Roy Campanella uh, was more accommodating and was just trying to get along with the writers and the fans. Uh, then you got Larry Doby in the American League, who underwent a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, one of the greatest guys I've ever met. Uh, his wife Helen was always by his side whenever, whenever we went to a ball game or or an event. Uh-huh. Uh, he would share a lot of stories with me on how he dealt with racism. He did it in a more quiet manner. So each ball player was different. And, and I was I would ask him, you know, we would talk man to man and black to black, and he would say, you know, I would never give an autograph to a white woman. I'm like, why not, Larry? Why not, Dobie? He said, because it might appear that I'm giving her my phone, phone number. Phone number. Jeez. And that's crazy. They have to be aware of something like that at that time. Jeez. Yeah, that's always a backstory. And wow. I was like, huh? What? Really? He said, yeah. Because you never know what the writers are going to write about the next day in the paper. Yeah. Especially if that was their team and he calls them to lose. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. What, what you do, like you said, you never know what the motivation is. Um, yeah, so... All the ball players were different. They had a different way of approaching a, a racial animosity and microaggressions and implicit biases. Uh, they had their own style. So yeah, I can see that. Get that. So you you had this claim in, in the stat, you know, and I want to know where this comes from. I, I get it, but uh, where you say um, black baseball history matters. <laughs> That's a platform that you push, and of course it's got us to this, but you know, um, when did you start that push, 
And, you know, are you still continue to, 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 you know, have that be in the forefront? Well, I have an annual Negro League conference every year in a different city. And I think 2017, I kicked off my conference with a speech called Why Black Baseball Matters. And uh, it went very well. I got a standing ovation. Awesome. From from about 100 people in the crowd. And I'm like, maybe I'm on to something. Man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So... And we're going to change it up really quick. Uh, We're going to jump into these quick hits sponsored by Scotch Porter. So, men, it's self-care season. It's a perfect gift. Scotch Porter's promise to you is to provide healthy, multi-purpose beard, hair, and face care products. Highly effective and easy to use. And the rest, they say, is up to you. Stay fresh and go to Black & Sports for special offers and discount links. Scotch Porter, hit them with that quick hit. Mr. Les, you might have answered this, but what was the first time you were starstruck? If ever, <laughs> it was probably uh, when I walked into Coop Papa Bell's uh, living room. Yeah, it had to be it. And his his couch is in front of a, a fireplace that doesn't work, of course. <laughs> and on the mantel, there are nothing but signed baseballs by every great ball player. I've ever seen from Josh Gibson to Satchel Page. He had his trophy uh, next to him on the coffee table from uh, when he was with the Homestead Grays and they won the championship. And he didn't think much about it. I mean, he had to take four locks off his door to let me in uh, because of the neighborhood that he lived in. <laughs> uh, but he was just glad to see me, and I was glad to see him. <laughs> He's probably the first Hall of Famer that I met. That's mm. unbelievable. I'm really interested in this. So, in your best outfielder, best infielder, and best pitcher, who would those be, in your opinion? Best outfielder would probably be Oscar Charleston. He was the uh, precursor to Willie Mays. Uh, the best infielder is probably an unnamed ball player by the name of Dobie Moore. Uh, Great shortstop for the Kansas City Monarchs. And I'm not going to say Satchel Page is the greatest pitcher. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but since I, I got a chance to say it, I'm going to go with Cannonball Dick Redding, an unknown ball player who I found he pitched four doubleheaders, both ends of four doubleheaders, and won six of those eight games. I mean, these men were machines. They were <laughs> monsters. And Cannonball Dick Redding is my next project to, to get into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. There yes, it is. Sir. I love that. Speaking of Cannonball, what these nicknames are unbelievable. <laughs> so give me the best. Give me the best nickname that we may not know. Oh, uh, you know them all. Uh, <laughs> you said Papa was cool. Cool Papa. <laughs> I love Cool Papa though. That was that's a smooth one right there. <laughs> but you had Rabbit Martinez. He was, you know, he was uh, like a rabbit in the infield. Uh-huh. Oliver the Ghost Marcel. He was so fast they thought he was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver the Ghost. <laughs> yeah, I mean these these fellows were fly and uh, you know a lot of bucks, uh, buckaroos and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, there's so many. Uh, Double Duty Radcliffe is one of the best. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not Double Duty. 
I love it. I love it. Last yeah. one. I last one I got for you, sir. In the okay. in the holiday season, w- what's your favorite? I guess Christmas movie or holiday movie? What is that? Uh, I'll probably go with Forty Two. With 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 Bosman. Yeah, that's that's, that's a <laughs> tough like, one. He's like, that, I'm going with that one. That's not nah, nah, It's a great movie. Now, yeah, it's it's, it's good. Uh, that's what I want to pronounce a few names in the movie. Yeah, okay, that's what I was going to say. What what critiques did you have looking at it from your historical perspective? Like, so you said they had a few uh, name enunciation issues. What else did you see? Because a lot of times, yeah, right, Hollywood. <laughs> you know, intensi- <laughs> intensifies the story, you know, because they're selling films. But was there any other things that stood out when you were watching it? Well, yes, they combined uh, two writers, Wendell Smith and Sam Lacey, both in the uh, Writers Hall of Fame. Uh, two of my mentors, Sam Lacey was my one of my greatest mentors. Uh, we got along great. Uh, I visit with him several times in this apartment. But in the movie, they combined his his personality with that of Wendell Smith. Okay. Uh, both of these men traveled with Jackie Robinson uh, before he got a black teammate. Back in the day, uh, they they would only they would they shared rooms and they would always couple up. Okay. There had to be an even number of black ball players on the team, and Jackie Robinson did not have a roommate, so Sam Lacey traveled with him. And uh, Sam Lacey was one of the greatest guys i've ever met uh oh god he i mean this man went to the 1936 olympics and saw jesse owens win four gold medals Jeez. he knew joe lewis man. Uh, he knew jackie robinson when i went to his apartment i saw press releases press passes to all these olympics and boxing events in madison square garden unbelievable and I mean, I was just an awe, and uh, we got along great. Uh, when I first met him in Baltimore, he asked me a few questions, and I gave him an honest answer. And he said, nobody's is ever honest with me. <laughs> Everybody wants to dance around the issue and don't talk about steroids and the DH rule, And but you've been honest with me, and I want you to come by my place when, uh, when you're in D.C. Mm-hmm. So the next year I'm in DC, I call him up and I go by and he rings me up through a secure door and I'm in his apartment looking at all this memorabilia and all these pictures of him with all these legendary people. Wow. He's almost 90 years old and he's just as cool as he can be. He said, I'm gonna give you all the time that you want, but at two o'clock you gotta get out of here. <laughs> you got to go home, but you got to get the heck out of here. <laughs> right. And so there's a knock on the door and and he said, get there for me. Mm-hmm. And this is a secure building, so I don't know who this is. And opened it up and this big guy, he's about six four, six five. And okay. he's he asked me, Who are you? <laughs> I'm like, uh, Sam invited me. <laughs> Lacey. He said, uh, nobody, my father doesn't invite anybody to his apartment. Mm-hmm. Wow. He said, nobody's ever been here except Spike Lee. So you must be somebody. Oh, there you go. 
I said, uh, <laughs> I shook his hand. And <laughs> we've been friends ever since. <laughs> well, but I was scared there for a moment. <laughs> well, that's a, um, you know, like you said, that's a great perspective to have, you know, that caliber of writer just to have the stories and the stories that he has. So, all right, man. So we're going to jump into the to the winner's circle. So the winner's circle is powered by Nevada Grow, uh, providing the right data, the right marketing decisions, and facilitating the right connections. Nevada Grow helps small businesses here in Nevada Grow. You can check them out at NV Grow on IG. So here in the winner's circle, man, we want to talk about, let's lead off with the most important things is stats. So um, when I reached out to you, uh, you just mentioned that you want to continue uh, collecting and auditing the Negro League, Negro League player stats. Mm-hmm. So how was that going? Because now that you said, you know, we're making those adjustments, um, is there more stats that need to be found? You know, are you still um, taking, intaking that data and still, you know, recovering and discovering that? Well, we have found just about every box score that's ever been printed. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're still probably another 10% that need to be inputted into a database. Got you. All right. Uh, I am, I, I will continue to send information to, uh, Gary Ashwell, uh, of the seam heads website. He will be the point of contact for fans to, uh, look at data. So talk about that website. Was that a partner? Did you help? So you have an IT background, right? So you've, you have yes. an IT company, the research, the Noir, uh, Noir mm-hmm. Tech. Um, did you help create that site? Is that, you know, the first home of how to store and, and recall that data? What's, what's no, uh, Gary Ashwell created the website. Okay. It was his idea. He was one of my researchers and uh, he took it to, to another level. No, the site is amazing. So if you, if you, we'll put it in the show notes, but seamheads.com just, mm-hmm. I mean, not only stats, but ballpark stats from the different, there's just, you could get lost on that, on that site for some time. Yes. And, and I, I plan to send him another 20 games from the 1945 season oh. because he wants to finalize Jackie Robinson's number. Okay. Hope, hope to do that next week. Uh, we're jumping around from season to season, but we have all the data. It just takes time. People have to realize I have to type every line of that box score into my database. Jeez. I mean, every name, every position, at bat, run, hit, double, triple, home run, error, sacrifice, fly, walk. Uh, it's one line at a, at a time. It takes me about an hour just to do one box score. Mm-hmm. And then I have to make sure the stats are right for the pitchers and the batters, they have to balance all the hits for the batters have to balance the hits given up by the pitchers. Same thing for the runs. If they don't, then I have to go back and and find out my error. Uh, So then the data integrity is there and I send Gary what I have. And sometimes there are a couple of games that I have marked on a schedule, right? I built a schedule in an Excel spreadsheet that I cannot find because it, it was played in a small town and, uh, Gary has access to that small town newspaper and he can find that game. So it's a partnership. He may send me 10 games. I may send him 10 games, but we're working on this together. Uh, he will be the point of contact. That's awesome. Well, we're definitely yeah. going to share that because it, it, it's your collaboration. What you guys are putting together is amazing. 
So another thing that you touched on, and this is just really getting more into the fandom of overall baseball, right? So Mm -hmm. you mentioned that you have this Negro League baseball conference that you travel and you go to city to city. Um, What was the genesis and what was the first, um, because you you talked about um, where that speech came from in 2017. Where was the Mm -hmm. first... um, the first conference held, and is it all you guys talk about? Is this all the fun around baseball? Well, we went to the major baseball conference. Okay. You know, 30 years ago, and they had no presentations on the Negro Leagues, and no players were invited. So we sit in the lobby of the hotel year after year and said, why don't we just start our own conference? And one of the gentlemen who lives in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, by the name of Ted Norris, said, Hey, I, I'll host it. Nice. I said, Larry, you do the work, I'll host it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just show up. <laughs> yeah. So I was the moderator and chairman of the Negro Leagues Research Committee. And, uh-huh. uh, we had about 30 people at the conference, and it's grown exponentially ever since. And we invite ball players, and That's awesome. we have uh, professors from all over the country giving their presentations because mm-hmm. uh, they need that to get uh, their PhDs. Uh, and we have some local historians, authors. We have a players panel. That's great. Authors panel. Uh, we have a really nice banquet. Uh, we give out four $1,000 scholarships to, uh, high school seniors, give out two $500 library grants. Uh, we're a non-profit, uh, no paid salary, no paid staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a great team, uh, who can raise money. Uh, we really do this for the love of the ball players, and we all the ball players get paid a stipend. We pay all their travel expenses. That's and, fantastic. Uh, you know, we have a good time. Yeah, I and, bet. Uh, I, I mean, it's great. I, I was uh, I I grew up a part of a program called RBI. It was reviving baseball in the inner city. So, uh-huh. what's your I guess take on baseball now, and how do we get more black and and brown athletes to 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 play baseball in the major leagues to get to that process? Well, I think the RBI program is great on paper, uh, but major <laughs> league baseball needs to do a better job of marketing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to uh, showcase the black athlete more. I mean, I didn't see hardly any advertisement around Mookie bets. Mookie, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, Mike Trout everywhere. Yeah. Uh, then you had this ball player with the Dodgers. Uh, oh my goodness, what's his name? The outfielder. Oh, he made a great comeback. He was dating. Dating. Uh, he hurt Rihanna. his shoulder. What's uh, Kershaw? No. He's a black outfielder. Uh, that's what we. Everybody's drawing a blank. Continue. Robert? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> he was dating Rihanna when she was really big, and I'm like, this is a great opportunity to uh, Crawford, right? It's Crawford, it's right? Crawford. Yeah, yeah. Crossover. Her, her songs are, are number one on the chart. And, yeah. Uh, Matt Kemp. That's who it was. Los yeah. Angeles Dodger outfielder. Oh, Matt. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Shout out, Quan. Nobody's saying anything about this, and uh, Matt Matt Kemp, yep. is that his name? Yep, yep, yep. 
So, yeah. and that was definitely a time where they could have used that or, or, or just, you know, cause that's the thing, right? Being the mainstream, that's a problem that I have as a Steeler fan with Juju. He wants to be in the mainstream and do TikTok videos and, you know, but it's grabbing people's attention. So that could have been a perfect time, like you're saying, to just use that, especially with the international crossover, you know, just international pop star like Rihanna. Yeah. And Matt Kemp was an outstanding outfielder. Yeah. yeah. Where he got hurt. And, and, and to your point, Miles, I've been advocating and writing letters to every Major League Baseball club, uh, Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox. Why don't you fly the championship flags the, the banners. of the 1926-27 Chicago American Giants? Mm. <laughs> everybody likes fly a banner. The, huh? <laughs> so everybody like a championship banner. Facts. Right. They were a part of your city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may they may have played in apartheid baseball, but they're still Negro World Series, Series champions. champions. Yeah. Can I ask and you this? So I, yeah. Do Do you think the process of getting to the major league needs to be adjusted? I mean, the NBA you can get in at eighteen, nineteen. You write to the you know to the show. Right. The NFL it takes you know three years of college football, then you're to the show, and then you know in major league baseball you can get drafted early, but you got to go obviously through the minor leagues. And that process, do you think that needs to be adjusted or you think it's good? Well, there's a business model that they uh, tweak. Uh, if you've noticed, the Latin American ball players make up 28, 29% of Major League Baseball rosters right mm -hmm. now. Yes, sir. They can go to the they can go to the islands and sign many of these ball players without a bonus, mm. um, without a big contract. And so they are filling the void that, that would normally be taken by a black ball, ball player, player who would demand a huge contract. A contract right. and a bonus mm -hmm. and things like that. Right. So wow. it's, it's a touchy situation. They don't want to admit that they are harvest, harvesting uh, the Latin American talent. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to jump into a couple other things just to make sure we stay on track of time here. So, Okay. An amazing program that you started in, in conjunction with the um, with the conference you have is just the Gravemaker Project. So tell us a little bit about that, and you know uh, we'll definitely put that on the site as well. Uh, that's one of the greatest things that we do. Uh, one of my attendees, Dr. Jeremy Croc, uh, sent me an email once about what do you think about a Grave Marker Project. I'm like, it's, it's a great idea, but I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> but I will put it in the next newsletter. Right. Uh, with great enthusiasm. And people start sending in money to uh, buy headstones for ballplayers in unmarked graves. That's amazing. And so over the past 12 or 13 years, we have put markers on roughly 38 or 39 30 graves. Yeah, I saw that. That's amazing. Uh, it's a great project. Uh, it's been on the front of uh, New York Times uh, front page. Uh, ESPN did a special on it. Uh, and Sports Illustrated uh, did an editorial on our efforts. And uh, it's ongoing. Uh, what people don't understand, sometimes these ballplayers, uh, when they retired, uh, they didn't have a skill set to go into mainstream America. So uh, many of them died in poverty and destitute. And so they were buried without a, 
a marker. Wow. And so we have a long list and a waiting list, and uh, we locate their families to get permission. Okay. And we raise monies. It takes about eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars to have a decent marker. Okay. We have it custom designed and put a baseball or a bat or both with their name and underneath their name and Negro League legend and uh, the year that they were born and died. And we have uh, a little ceremony with the family. That's uh, so dope. Going from grave to grave site. And uh, it's, it's been a, a, a wonderful experience. Awesome. Uh, more. <sighs> hey, man, this this is good stuff. If get on this train, you know. <laughs> <laughs> get on the train. Night, where you at, girl? Gladys. <laughs> Get on the train. Absolutely. On the friendship train. Come Absolutely. On. <laughs> so you have a lot of great things going on. I mean, this is just, and we're, we're going to keep in touch and, and make sure we post this and support this because everything you're doing is amazing. And then not that you're not busy, but you decided to write two books. <laughs> During the pandemic. During the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, give us a little bit of background on those books, and, and, and we can find, I think you said, on Amazon. But just talk about the two books. Well, the first one was uh, Negro League's book number two, a generic name about the ballplayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like an encyclopedia. Okay. Uh had two or three publishing companies who wanted to do it. Uh, but the price tail retail price was about $95. Uh, because it's considered an encyclopedia. Yeah. Uh, reference. Got you. The libraries would eat it up, but I like, I want the average fan to have it. Mm -hmm. And so with the pandemic, I locked myself in the office and learned how to self publish and, I put it on the market for twenty nine ninety five. That's awesome. Because I want people to have it, not frame it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> there it is. Like. I like it. And then I did the same thing for another book uh -huh. a few months later. Another 500-page book. Uh-oh, there it is. <laughs> yes, sir. That's awesome. And the East-West All-Star Game was the most attended event in black baseball history. They had forty to 50,000 people on a regular basis. Okay. Yeah, more than the white All-Star Games did. And uh, I, I think Major League Baseball owners saw that fans were gravitating to a more up-tempo type of play. And so that's why I had to write the this book on black baseball's national showcase, the East-West All-Star Game from 1933 to 1960. Okay. Uh, critics say it's my best book uh, because I have contemporary newspaper accounts. Instead of trying to interpret them, I wrote them verbatim so you would know the language of the period. Uh, you know how you use slang? Yes. In 1920, I, I'd use cool cat and, and <laughs> keep, it, keep it real <laughs> and i'd write my commentary to interpret what what, what the writer said there you go and then i got all the stats uh-huh uh, every box score and then i do a compilation at the end of the book so you can see how many home runs josh gibson hit in all-star play alex 
Radcliffe, double duty's brother, great third baseman. He 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 really showed out in the East West All Star game. Love it. It's all in those two books. And okay. Instead of ninety five dollars, you can get it for less than thirty bucks off of Amazon and free shipment. There it is. <laughs> I mean, you got to get the book just for double duty. Double there, duty, right? Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed uh, him many times. That's amazing. <laughs> so, hey, this is like I said, man. Too much fun, and we're wrapping up. So, this is where you get to leave a coaching gym, or the, what we call the assist. Um, you had a lot of quotables, but is there something that you would like to share, either the, to your younger self or to that young baseball fan, or just a, a, a philosophy or words you live by? Uh, I believe in living your truth, being authentic, owning your own happiness. Uh, that's why I was able to connect with Sam Lacey and others and many ball players. Uh, just be, just be real. Uh, I work for myself, so nobody can pay me to, uh, do anything wrong. Uh, I, I, I enjoy my life. I couldn't get much better than <laughs> living it's gonna get better in 2021 with uh with america being more woke than ever before mm -hmm. uh i still want some con compensatory capitalism for these ball players and uh we got some little social reparations uh with the announcement about major league baseball but i want more i will demand more and uh here i come yeah. I, I love it. it. I love it. Cause you ain't afraid of a fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's been an honor, man. It, it, it's it's been an absolute honor. As a as a kid that didn't watch cartoons growing up, I, I appreciate the history that you've given us. This baseball history, I I, I love it. I got goosebumps, man. It, it's been great. Thank you no, so much for your time. We appreciate you so much, man. It's 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 a joy. And I hope you just uh, not to like baseball to like the history. The history is fascinating when you learn the the players like uh -huh. double duty. Come on, stories yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about. <laughs> there you go. We're going to get you off. We're going to have to get you in the locker room for those stories, man. So exactly. hey, hey. So you're our uncle now. So Uncle LL, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we appreciate you. So thank you for being on the show. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners, man. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Please share the show because this is our history. This is um, American baseball history. So um, please follow us on various social media platforms. We are black in sports. We do have the short format, the locker room dropping every Tuesday. Um, so please be safe, practice gratitude and know we're rooting for you. Stay All us blacks got is sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat bouts and racks on handmade new racks. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class.